Hey, Only Believe, this is Pastor Nicole, and I want to take time to invite you to a very special time of reflection on Good Friday, April 7th. It's going to be running from 4 to 8, and you already know that if you were here last year, it's amazing, and you've got to come back for another chance. We've changed some of the stations around, and we're putting a little different spin on it, but it's for you and the whole family. So be sure and bring them. You can come at any time from 4 to 8 and walk through at your pace. It's something to enjoy for the entire family, and there's one station that might be a little too much for younger kids, and we've got something especially for them too. Please come on out and enjoy this time. I know you're gonna love it. Hey, I want to remind you about Easter Sunday. Easter Sunday, we have two services, 7 o'clock, that's a miracle, and a communion service. And I'll tell you, I'm expecting God to see miracles that Sunday. I want you to bring the sick, those that are hopeless, those that are helpless, and let's see what God will do in a time that we're celebrating the resurrection of Christ. That is on Easter at 7 o'clock. And then we have Panera Bread that's going to be serving a continental breakfast uh, for us in between services. Then at 10 o'clock, we're going to have a great celebration of Jesus' resurrection. So please come out and be a part of it. I'm looking forward to being with you and celebrating our Savior's victorious resurrection. Check, check. Uh, I picked check, up the check. stage Here mic. We go. I picked up the wrong mic. I'm, I'm a rookie. I'm in training. Forgive me. It's wonderful to be in the house of the Lord today, isn't it? It's a good day. Any day we get to be in the house of the Lord. Amen. Amen. I have some announcements for you, but first, uh, welcome. Welcome to the first-time guests. Welcome to those people on social media. Um, if you're a first-time guest, there's a Connect card in the back of the pew in front of you. And you can fill it out the old-fashioned way with a pencil, or you can scan the QR code that's on the little uh, lanyard there, and you can fill it out electronically. But we really want to know who you are. We want to get to know you. We want to um, just find out who you are and be able to, to get to know you and bless you and pray for you. Um, we have a prayer team that's going to be walking around with prayer cards because here at Only Believe, we do what first? We We what? What? Okay, yeah, we pray first, and there's power in prayer. There's power in prayer. The Word of God is alive, it's sharper than a two-edged sword, and it changes things. So we pray first. So we have a prayer team walking around with prayer cards you can take and fill out. If you have a prayer request, uh, they'll be back around to collect them when you are done with them. So don't take them with you. Leave them here. Because the first Saturday of every month... Uh, we pray in the main sanctuary from 8 to 9 a.m. And if you haven't been to one of these things, for goodness sakes, please come. Uh, they are so powerful, and you can just uh, soak in the Spirit and the presence of the Lord, and it's, it's just an amazing time. If you haven't been, please come. Um, that's the first Saturday from 8 to 9 a.m. Uh, we pray as a family of faith, and all our prayer requests get prayed over. So those cards you're filling out will be here at the altar and people will be praying for you. 
Um, and then finally, next steps will be happening. Next steps is um, an education process. It'll be happening next Sunday in room 306. You can sign up at the Welcome Center or online if you want to join and become part of Next Steps. So I just, um, this morning, it's brought to my heart that uh, the Spirit of the Lord is already here. You know, the Spirit of the Lord lives in us, and He's here today. And I'm just thankful. And if I start thinking about what I'm thankful for, I start tearing up because there are so many things. But I'm thankful for this church, for all of you. I'm thankful that um, quite a few years ago, Annie and I got introduced to people who talked about the gospel of Christ, that they were good stewards of the gospel, that they shared it with us, that even through our hardened hearts and skepticism, we accepted Christ. And I'm thankful for Jesus and what he did on the cross for his precious blood that he shed for us. I'm thankful that Father God, in his infinite wisdom, sent us the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit ministers to us, leads us into wisdom and knowledge. I'm thankful that the Holy Spirit is my companion, my comforter, and someone that I can go to every day. I'm thankful for the worship team. I'm thankful for all the pastors here. And just, just grateful and thankful that we get an opportunity twice a week to come and be in the presence of the Lord, and we get to worship and praise and honor Him. And, you know, worship is, isn't what we do. It's who we are. We're worshipers. And so um, I ask you to stand to your feet today, and I ask you to just focus your heart on the Lord and on the Holy Spirit, and I ask you to think about those things that you're thankful for. And as we sing, just thank God today. Amen. In Jesus' name, amen. place to hide this weary soul, this bag of bones, and I try with all my might, but I just can't win the fight, I'm slowly drifting, a vagabond, and just when I ran out the road, I met a man I didn't know, and he told me that I was not alone. He picked me up, turned me around, placed my feet on solid ground. I thank the Master, I thank the Savior, because he healed my heart, changed my name. Forever free, I'm not the same. I thank the Master, I thank the Savior, I thank God. Oh, yes, oh, I thank God. And I cannot deny what I've seen. I've got no choice but to believe. My doubts are burning like ashes in the wind. 
because he picked me up and he turned me around. Come on, we're not the same. Oh, he picked me up. He picked me up, turned me around, placed my feet on solid ground. I thank the master, I thank the savior because he healed my heart and changed my name forever free. I'm not the same. I thank the master. I thank the Savior because he picked me up, turned me around, placed my feet on solid ground. I thank the Master, I thank the Savior because he healed my heart, who changed my name forever free. I'm not the same. I thank the Master, I thank the Savior, I thank God. Spirit, and take my hand now. Lead me out in the living waters. You're the wellspring, you are stirring. You're the life for your sons and your daughters. Eyes are open to the unseen, and my faith is arising within me. So bless the Lord now, sing it out loud. Come and give the Lord his glory. You're calling me deeper, deeper still. You're calling me deeper, deeper still. So I'm going deeper, deeper still into your love because your love keeps going. Deeper, deeper still. You're calling me deeper, deeper still. So I'm going deeper, deeper still into your love, into your love, yeah. are open to the unseen and my faith is arising within me so bless the lord now sing it out loud lift your hands give the lord his glory you're calling me deeper deeper still you're calling me deeper deeper still so i'm going deeper deeper still into your love because your love keeps going Deeper, deeper still, you're calling me deeper, deeper still. So I'm going deeper, deeper still into your love, into your love. There is freedom in the water, there is healing in the water. Oh Jesus, you're the river, and we'll never find the end. There is freedom in the water. There is healing in the water. Oh, Jesus, you're the river, and we'll never find the end. Yeah. 
deeper still You're calling me deeper, deeper still So I'm going deeper, deeper still Into your love Because your love keeps going Deeper, deeper still You're calling me deeper, deeper still So I'm going deeper, deeper still Into your love into your love there is freedom in the water there is healing in the water oh jesus you're the river and we'll never find the end there is freedom in the water there is healing in the water oh jesus you're the river and we'll never find the end You're calling me deeper, deeper still. You're calling me deeper, deeper still. So I'm going deep into your love, into your love. There is freedom in the water. There is healing in the water. Oh, Jesus. And we'll never find the end. There is freedom in the water. Oh, there is healing in the water. Oh, Jesus, you're the river. And we'll never find the end. You know, I want to remind you this morning that in Psalms 150, it says this. It says, praise God in the sanctuary. Praise him in his mighty heavens. Praise him for his acts of power. Praise him for his surpassing greatness. Praise him with the clash of symbols. Praise him with a resounding symbol. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. So I want to remind you this morning. Jesh, Hit the symbols. Hit them. Okay. So symbols are not a quiet instrument. I'm going to give you a music lesson in three seconds. Symbols aren't quiet. Symbols are loud. If the symbols are off, it'll throw everybody off. There's a reason that God compared your praise to symbols. The clashing symbols. It's loud and it resounds. It doesn't end. It keeps resounding and it keeps resounding and it keeps resounding. So in this sanctuary, we praise God with resounding symbols. Your voice is an instrument of worship. I encourage you today, use your voice. Don't be the same as you were last week. Use your voice as a resounding symbol and praise him. Because I don't know about you, I have breath. Do you have breath? Let's praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Come on, praise him.
Take a moment just to tell him he's worthy. You're worthy, Father. You're holy. You're holy. We worship you today. There's no one like you. No one like you. Nothing compares. There's nothing better than you. There never will be. We just want to meet with you this morning. We just want to meet with you this morning declare there's nothing better than you there's nothing better than you oh there's nothing better than you there's nothing better than you oh there's nothing no nothing is better than you come on sing that again there's nothing Yeah. 
Change everything. 
like on that day? On that day, the veil was rent. It was torn wide open. And you, you were allowed to enter my throne room because of my son. And just like on that day, as the doors were open and flung wide open, I am opening up my arms to you. Every piece is like an onion being peeled. An onion being peeled layer by layer by layer by layer, and it reveals the inside fruit. Listen, he's wanting layer by layer by layer by layer to reveal the inside fruit. Let him layer by layer by layer to open up himself to you. He wants you to open up yourself to him. Just layer by layer by layer. The veil has been torn. The doors are open. Just let him open up and you open up to him. Your name. 
It's a battlefield for your life like no other time in America. And I believe that there was a plan of the enemy against your life. And I believe that the church and your parents, even though they have been involved and engaged with your upbringing, I believe that it needs to be a time of intensity that they will intensify intensify their prayers for you and their prayers with you and so I want to take communion with you today and I just want to remind you that you're never alone we all face lonely times certainly sometimes we can be in the middle of a crowd and feel alone like we're being looked over that we're being rejected, that maybe God's not even aware of where we are at or what we're dealing with. But Jesus knows everything that you go through because he has been tempted in every manner such as any man or woman could be tempted. And so when we take communion today, I want you to remember that your parents are with you 
And God entrusted your parents. He knew them before the foundations of the earth. And you may not think they're the right parents, but they are the best for your life. And you may think you're misunderstood, but they think they're misunderstood. But you are in it together, and you are part of God's plan and God's purpose. And the first thing we're going to do is we're going to remember that Jesus came for us, that he could bring blessing to us, that he could bring blessing to our life, and that God has coveted with you and I that no matter where we are, God is our provider. He is our provider. And I could tell you so many stories of teens that went to college, and when they got there, they created a new job for them, and they got a full ride. There's stories like that all through this congregation. And God had blessing on your life. Nothing can stop it except you. And if you would just agree with God, God will do supernatural things. He will remove mountains, calm seas. He will cause pharaohs and masters of bondage to roll over in defeat because you have the mark of being blessed by God on your life. Jesus bore that. So let us, you and I right now, just say, Jesus, I thank you that you have blessed me, not based on my own merit, but Jesus, you blessed me with all the blessings of Abraham and all of the blessings of sonship. I thank you. I believe in your blessing coming upon my life in Jesus Christ's name. Amen and amen. Now let us see. The blood of Jesus. I don't know if I've ever made it today without a mistake. Or at least a mistake that Phyllis never reminded me of. And uh, she's my partner, but she's also my wisdom in my eyes. Mistakes don't separate us from God unless we never allow the blood to wash away. And so this blood has been shed for you and I that we might be reconciled unto God. Really, that we could be brought into sonship with Him. So, from this day forward, though you would make a million mistakes in one day, nothing is greater than power of forgiveness in this blood. Nothing. And so, when we make mistakes, we come to Christ and ask forgiveness. God never gets, gets tired of hearing us, and He never gets tired of forgiving us. This blood was shed for you, 
and I for the hopes that you and I would walk with God without any remembrance of our past transgressions. It is the bond of our fellowship with God. Some of you are going to be great in the kingdom of God. Pastors, teachers, evangelists, mothers, fathers, teachers, in school systems, skilled factory workers, things that God has destined you for. Never be ashamed of where you're at. Always be grateful that God has provided some place for you to be at. Let us drink and say this with me, Jesus, I thank you for the power of your blood that nothing can separate me from your righteousness and your grace. This blood washes away my transgressions. This blood calls me to be reconciled unto you. In Jesus' mighty name, amen and amen. Let us drink together. I want you to know that we are all proud of you. Every parent in here, every believer in here, we are proud of your stand for Christ. We are proud of your stand one for another. Father, in the name of Jesus, you declared to me, God, that if I would bless someone, that you would bless them. Now, God, by the authority invested in me, by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, I grant God blessing to begin to flow, to come up on their life, to begin to prepare their future, to open doors that could never have been opened before today, and that God doors that the enemy would have sought to open would be shut from today forward. God, let your goodness lead them. Let your righteousness keep them. And God, let them eat of the goodness of the blessings of God. In Jesus' mighty name, amen and amen. Praise God. You go forth in blessing today in a way that you have never been blessed before. God bless you. We believe in you and we love you. Praise God. Hallelujah. Hey, thank you, Cullen. Thank you, man. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Hallelujah. prayer request that we're going to we're going to fulfill and I'm going to ask us to pray here in a minute uh, and pray for Pastor Randy is taking I don't know 15 or so kids from the children's church to a local senior center a couple local senior centers and my family calls me an old person and I can tell you this kids 
get to old person's hearts. No doubt about it. I, I can testify to that. Uh, so we're going to pray for them to just God's with them and the Spirit of God moves and there's salvations in there. So if you would, bow your head with me. Father, I come before you in the name of your son, Jesus. Lord, I ask that you be with Randy and the children's services, the children's church this morning, Father. Uh, open the hearts of the seniors. Let the little kids' honesty and just purity open their hearts that the seniors there, Father, can see your goodness and they'll open their hearts and accept you in as their Lord and, as your Lord and Savior, their Lord and Savior. You be that for them, Father. Lord, we give you the praise, honor, and glory. Thank you for being with them, and thank you for the salvations. In Jesus' name, amen. So good morning, everybody. It is tithe and offering time. Uh, I'm on the wrong date. So, by the way, if you didn't know, Six days ago, we entered into a new season. It is a season of spring is what's here. My two favorite seasons are spring and fall. Now, if you look in uh, Genesis, it calls those two seasons seed time and harvest. Now, I believe we planted some seeds here already this morning in the hearts of these teenagers. Amen. So that's my two favorite seasons. We are in a season of seed time. So we're going to plant seeds. Now, what I'm going to talk about here is the physical seed. But this here this morning is not a physical seed, but it's still a seed just the same. You know, typically before you plant a seed or even buy a seed, you have an expectation that's already designed in your heart. You know what it is, and that expectation is what causes you to go get the seed and plant the seed. For example, uh, you know, maybe you're, it, it's springtime, it's seed time. People are going to buy, they're going to plant flowers. Well, what's their expectation? Before they ever go buy that flower, they see something in their mind that says, huh, you know, maybe it's, maybe it's something they want the aroma in their house. That's their expectation. Maybe it's something they want to colors on their porch or down their driveway but the expectation is there before the seeds ever put into the ground if you have a, a garden you know your expectation might be that you want fresh produce that you can eat fresh produce and you've grown it yourself or you feed other people but there's an expectation if, if, you know if you plant a tree you might have an expectation of harvesting some fruit or it may just be the expectation is I want to beautify my dwelling. Whatever that is, that's why you're doing that. It's because of expectations. And that's where seed sowing all starts is with an expectation. It's very exciting to plant a seed. Very exciting. You'll plant it. You'll water it. You'll watch it break out of the ground. You'll watch it bloom into something. You'll fertilize it. We put a lot of time and effort into the seeds we plant. You know, I can tell you that when I plant a field, there's a thing called a germination time. So it might be six days, seven days before it's going to come out of the ground. But I can't help but drive by there. My fields are on the road. I live on it every day. The day after I plant it, I'll be driving by looking out there. Do I see anything? Not yet. Not yet. And then 
I might hit that germination date, the number of days, and it's still not coming up. Now I start to worry. Maybe I planted it too deep. Or if it shows up early, maybe I planted it too shallow. So you're driving by, and all of a sudden you see something green out there. It's a weed. You go pull that thing out by the roots. You lay it on the soil, and you let the sun scorch and burn that thing to never return. Praise God. That's what you do with that thing. But all of a sudden, one day, there will be something out there just sticking up a little bit. You got to get out. You can't drive by and see it. You got to get out and walk in the field. And I, then it, that now, what you've done, you can do nothing but wait while that seed's in the darkness. And it takes faith to get through that period because it's a miracle for what happens in that soil that God's performing. So then you get out and it's this tall. You can't hardly see it unless you get out there. And farmers are always worried about planting straight rows. So then they get down on the ground real close because you can actually make a row when it's that short and see how you did. Three, four days later, you, it's up high enough you can see it from the road. And then when you see those crooked roads, you put road closed signs on your road so the other farmers don't drive by and laugh at you. So what is the purpose of the seed is the expectation. So my question that I really have for you today is, what is your expectation when you come up here and put a seed into these offering buckets? Do you have an expectation for that? Should you? And if so, what should it be? You know, I was so happy today when I come in here and I'm talking about planting seeds. And the last song they were singing up here was Holy Ground. Because this is holy ground. What is the purpose of the seed you're putting in these buckets? It was all set by the example of Jesus. You know, figuratively, you've got to, if I have a field of wheat, that field has to die in order for me to get seed to go into the next season. Figuratively, Jesus died. In reality, he did. He was then planted in the ground, just like a seed. And then on the third day, he rose from the dead. He had the expectation of what the harvest was going to be before he ever went through that. He knew what to expect. And what did he expect? souls. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believes on Him would not perish but have everlasting life. That was the harvest He brought for you and I. So let's be careful what we're putting up here in these buckets. Let's have an expectation of what we want with that. You know, it's, it's a whole nother story, but there's seed types, the ground soil types that you can talk about that affect the yield that you're going to get. And I'm here to tell you, souls is what this church does. There's very few churches that you can go to that reaches worldwide. And out of Botkins, Ohio. Okay? So let's... Let's not have this just be a ritual. The offering is a very, very sacred thing. Let's never forget that. Amen? So let's pray over your tithes and offerings. Father, I come before you in the name of your son, Jesus. Lord, I thank you for your presence here today, Lord. 
I thank you so much for your glory and, Lord, for your Son who saved our lives and gave us the opportunity for eternal life. Lord, guide us and lead us. Bless this seed that we plant, Father. Let there be a harvest of souls from it all. In Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah. Well, bless the Lord. The devil is in trouble. I'm awake and so are you. Hallelujah. And fear is not on my side. I have faith. But he is afraid of what I might do with it. Hallelujah. I do want to invite you or feel if you feel uh, called into the fivefold ministry or in any type of ministry, really. If you'd like to join me for lunch, uh, a lunch meeting, uh, when is it? April the 16th. Uh, so if you would like to join me, it's going to be right after church. Uh, some of the pastors of the church here will be there. Uh, it's going to be open for questions and discussions, and it'll help you not do things that you may be doing That'll mess up your life. Hallelujah. That's the truth. So, praise God. I'm glad to be here. I'm glad to be living. I'm glad to be alive. Praise God. And I'm even glad to be married. <laughs> Hallelujah. Praise God. No, I love you, Phyllis. If I was ever going to be married again, it'd be a wo to a woman like you. Because all, I'm already conditioned to the pressure. All right. Hallelujah. Let's turn our Bibles today to John 12, 31. John 12, 31. John twelve thirty one. Well, let's go to twelve thirty. And it says, And Jesus answered and said, This voice came not because of me, 
but because, but for your sake. Now is the judgment of this world. Now shall the prince of this world be cast out. And if I be lifted up from the earth, will draw men unto me. Verse 31, now is the judgment of this world. What does that mean? Because I can assure you that Jesus said, I did not come to judge the world or to condemn the world, but I come that through me that the world would have life and have it more abundantly. So Jesus, when he says this statement, man, he says so much that we have kind of just glanced over it. Jesus was not about judging the world. He was about giving life to the world. And so, in John 12, 31, the word judgment means this, divine law. In other words, Jesus says, I have come to declare to you divine law. Divine law. It means that he has come to give us the results of a trial and its decision. Jesus came to give us a judgment or a decree concerning anything, a divine decree made in the courts of justice where God rules sovereignly before the foundations of the world. The judgments are statements and decisions made by God. So Jesus says this. This is what Jesus says. I come to declare to you the decisions that God Almighty has made for mankind's life. It's not a bad thing. It is a good thing. Judgment is not negative. Judgment is positive. And he says, I come, now is the judgment. Now is the time that sovereign decrees or sovereign decisions made by God are going to be revealed in their fullness. That's what Jesus is saying. And then he says, and when we, these decrees are made, the prince of this world will lose his place of influence and rulership. Now, now, when you think of that, you think, well, what's that got to do with ever, anything? Well, do you know that God, before the foundations of the earth, made a decree within the councils of the Trinity, and he made decisions concerning 
the reconciliation and the new birth of all men that would call upon the name of Jesus Christ. Do you know that it's God's will that every man call upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ? In Romans, the eighth chapter, it says that God has really predestined every man to become a child of God. Now, it doesn't mean that that will happen, but God has predetermined that it's possible that whosoever will call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Now, what did God do about bringing a decree of man? Here was the decree of man. If you will believe in your heart and confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus Christ, thou shalt be saved. It will be by grace through your personal faith that this will happen. Now, that's a decree. Now, as soon as man embraces that judicial decision by God, he immediately comes out from under the power of the kingdom of darkness, and he's translated into the kingdom of light. Now, that's a fact, and that is a judicial declaration or decision that God made for you and I. Somebody say, God made it. All right, so when Jesus says, I've come to declare to you openly the decisions that God Almighty has made towards you. I don't know if you've ever been involved in a court case. I've been involved in several uh, because of, you know, the lives of people and people go in things and out of things and so forth. So I have been involved in some criminal cases and so forth. Now, most people that go to a courtroom think that the decision or the judicial decree about the case is going to take place in the courtroom. No, the courtroom is an acting room. The decision of what's going to happen in that court case is already predetermined and laid out in a judge's chamber. Now listen, I have been in the chambers where they've said, now this is what's going to happen. You are going to declare that you're guilty. He said, and you are going to get X amount of years and X amount of time for what you've done. Now, that's what I'm going to do for you. Now, you would say, well, well shouldn't it be this? No, no. When you enter into a courtroom, you enter in to a jurisdiction that is governed by one man. Hear me, by one man. You say, well, I thought it was by the lawyers and the jurors. 
says the person that doesn't understand acting. You enter into that jurisdiction of that judge and everything in that courtroom is under his sovereignty. You have elected him. He has been appointed. And you cannot overthrow the decisions or the decrees that he pronounces in that judge chamber. Do you understand that? See, you, you think that, well, we're going to do a jury. Do you know that there are many times that a judge will override the jury and say, no, you know, the jury has decided this or that, but this is what's going to happen. He has every right to cancel the jury's decision. You thought, oh, 12 people, 12 people under the jurisdiction of a sovereign judge. And that judge is going to make a decree, and he's going to say, you know what? Uh, the jury uh, has done this and done that, but this is what I'm going to do. If you went into a place and you were suing somebody for a million dollars and the judge thought you deserved more, you are going to get more. But, but they just ruled on that. Let them appeal it. But if they come back to the same courtroom, it's not going to change. See, we don't understand that when we elect judges. Some of them are, are elected for life. Some are just elected for terms. But when you put somebody in for a lifelong judge or a lifelong uh, circuit or whatever it would be, you understand that that judge can even make decrees out of his court that will tie Washington's hands. Do you know that? You've, you've, you've seen it in the last, you know, five or six years, certainly, where some judge from Podunk, Ohio, decided that what the president was doing was unconstitutional. So it stops the action of even the president of the United States of America. That's the kind of power that a judge has in his place of rule. Well, now let's look at God. God has a whole lot more power than a man that may even be appointed to life. Now, the only thing about it is he's going to die. God is not. And he's going to lose his power. And he's going to be, somebody's going to be appointed or somebody's going to be put in there. And that's why there are so many times when a new president comes in, they hurry up and appoint uh, people in there that are of their party. They don't know their background. They're just appointing them because they need to fill the spot so they can hold power. And so, when it comes to God making decrees or judgments about you, God does it 
before the foundations of the earth. He has made decrees over you and I before man was ever created. Well, did God know that man was going to sin? That's really not even relevant. What is important is that God knew that man had the potential to sin and love made a provision before man ever did. See, love never fails, so it has to cover every door. It has to cover every option. But God didn't know whether man would or wouldn't. You say, oh, well, well, God knows everything. Well, I don't agree with you. If God knew everything and it's not his will that any should perish, why is he creating people that are perishing and going to hell every day? God knows the outcome of every decision, but he does not know every decision you're going to make. Well, God knows it, but he just chooses not to. No, 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 that's not true at all. God knows the outcome of every decision, but it's up to you through counsel, prayer, fasting, and so forth to come up with the decisions that you're going to make. So God offers us eternal life, but he doesn't know if you're going to take it or not. Most people live far short of the promises of God. Yet God made them all and says all the promises are yea and amen. But man does a very poor job of laying hold of them by faith and patience. We've got a hundred different other irons that we try and trust over God. Now, when I say that God makes these decrees, these judgments, remember that we, no man had seen God, but then Jesus is created in the flesh. He is the Word made flesh. Now he is the hidden judgments or decrees about our life. And he's full of grace and truth. Now, let's go to Acts 7, 51. Acts 7 and verse 51 through 52. Are you stiff-necked and uncircumcised in heart, ears Ye do always resist the Holy Ghost as your fathers did, so do ye. Which of the prophets have not your fathers persecuted and they have slain them which showed before the coming of Jesus, the just one, of whom ye have now betrayed and become murderers? Now, notice what it says there in that verse. Which of the prophets have not your fathers persecuted? Does anybody remember what the prophets did? 
they made decrees that God revealed to them that would happen a thousand years from the time they made that statement. Isaiah, 700 years before Jesus ever come, he makes a statement, he bore our burdens. He was wounded for our transgressions. By his stripes ye were healed. Now that was a decree, a judgment that God made for man without consulting anyone except the Trinity, God made that decree through a prophet. So 700 years later, God makes a decree about you. Now the decree is done in kind of like a proverb where you can't see it clearly. But once you get born again, or when Jesus comes on, that is opened up and you see what the prophets were decreeing about you. So let's notice that if God says something, even before the foundations of the world, that he will bring it to pass when you and I mix faith with it. Amen? All right. Now, let's go to uh, Hebrews 9.25, Hebrews 9.25 through 28. And it says, nor yet that he should offer himself uh, often as a high priest entered into the holy place every year with blood of others. For then he must have often have suffered since the foundation of the world. But now, once in the end of the world. Notice that when Jesus comes, God declares or acknowledges that that is the start of the end. And then it says, but now once in the end of the world hath he appeared to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. And it is appointed in a man once to die, and after that, the judgment. Notice what it said, that Jesus came, and he brought forth things that have been declared by God before, somebody say before, the foundations of the earth. So when Jesus comes, he is just revealing or declaring truth. He is declaring what God has decreed about you and I when the prince of this world is cast out. And they really are simultaneous. Let's go to 1 Peter 1.18 through 20. I really don't want to, I, I know it's a lot, but it's not boring. For so much as ye know, Ye were with, not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold from your vain conversation received by the traditions of your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ, of a lamb without blemish and without spot, who verily was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times. 
Now, when was the Lamb of God slain for our sins? When? Before the foundations of the earth. Then, if he was slain to create a new covenant, when were the conditions and the results of that covenant brought to pass? When he came. The truth shall set you free. Jesus was uh, full of grace and truth. So when he comes, he unveils that which has been said in the courts of a sovereign judge. So the decrees that God makes for you and I are already God's will. Well, well, what does that mean? That means now the decrees of God will be acted out in the world, the stage of the actors, either by faith or relinquished by fear. I know this might sound deep. It's not. Now, the righteous judge, based on the payment of our sins through our substitutionary offering of Jesus Christ, blood, death, and resurrection, we become reconciled with God. Somebody say we're reconciled. When you're reconciled with God, you are no longer the children of darkness. You are now the children of light. Amen? Now, what we have to do is we have to live by the decrees of God. Now, when Jesus was raised from the dead, the prince of this world was dethroned. He was ejected out of a place of power and authority. When sin is taken out of a man's life, Satan has no foothold into it. So Satan has been rejected. He has been sent out of his place of power and influence in this world, and every person can be free because of the decree of God. Amen? All right. Now, during that time, what did Jesus do? He stripped him of all power. He stripped Satan of all power. Somebody say of all power. So when God makes a decree and he comes out and he says, now make this decree to mankind. Jesus comes in and says, I've come to dethrone the prince of the power of the air. And now you will be able to cast him out. Now, that's a decree. And then it is given to us by God himself. And let's go to Ephesians 2.10. Ephesians 2.10. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works 
which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. God hath before ordained. When did God ordain the things that you and I should walk in? You're right, before the foundations of the earth. And then it says, wherefore remember that you being in time past Gentiles in the flesh who are now, who are called uncircumcised by that which is called the circumcision in the flesh made by hands. That at that time you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel, strangers from the covenants that God had made with Israel. You had no hope and you were without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, ye who were sometimes afar off are made nigh by the blood of Jesus Christ. For he is our peace who hath made both one, who hath broken down the middle wall of partition between us, having abolished in his flesh the enmity, the sin that put man at odds with God. It's abolished. Somebody say, it's abolished. Come on, it's abolished. It's abolished. It's abolished. This is a decree before Jesus ever dies. And then it says this, the law of commandments contained in ordinances for to make himself of twain one new man, so making peace, and that he might reconcile both unto God in one body, both Jew and both Gentile, having slain the enmity thereby, and came and preached peace to us which were afar off and to them which were nigh. For though we both have access, by through him we both have access by one spirit unto the Father. And now therefore we are no more strangers, no more foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints of the household of God. And ye are built upon the foundation of the apostles, the prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone in whom all the body fitly framed together groweth up unto a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you also are built together as an habitation of God through the Spirit. Now that tells you what you were before you met Christ, but it tells you who you are now because what God said would happen when you came to Christ. Now, Every decree, every judgment is backed up by the sovereignty of a judge and the powers behind him. Every judgment about you and I is backed up with God. It cannot be overturned, nor is it able. Psalms 89:34. God will not break the covenant, nor alter the things that have gone out of his mouth. You understand that? All right. So here's one. Isaiah 41.10. Now this was made about you 700 years before Jesus died. Fear thou not. Fear thou not. 
I will be with thee, and don't be dismayed, for I am thy God. I will strengthen thee. I will help you, and I will uphold those of the hand of the upright by my strength. Now, that's what God said about you. Don't fear. In other words, stop being intimidated by things that are happening around you when God has made a decree thousands of years before Jesus Christ ever come, God made the decree. There is no question. It is the decree and the will of God. That's why no sinner could ever be rejected from salvation because God said, whosoever, that's it. You cannot find a sinner so dark that God would not forgive him. And you can't find any sin that a righteous man would commit that God will not blot out. That's a decree. That's a judgment. If the devil comes and says, yeah, but you did this, all you got to do is say, look, read the settlement. Read the covenant. Read what the sovereign decree of God said about me. You read it because I'm not investing any more time in it. I am as forgiven as I can get. Hebrews 13, 5 says, let your conversation be without covetousness. Be content with such things as you have because the Lord says, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. So no matter what situation you're in, don't get upset. Go to the records of the courtroom and read what God said about the devil. And then just stand on it. Psalms 23, 1, 600 years before Isaiah was, David was. And he says this, the Lord is my shepherd. Then he says, I shall not want. I shall not want. Now that is a divine decree. And we are the sheep of God's pasture. So anytime something rises up, just go, meh. And God will interpret it. And just say, I shall not want. I will not want. God is on our side. And we've got over 3,000 pre-decided decrees over our life. And what you want to do is rise up 
and tell them what the judge said. Because nobody can overthrow the sovereignty of his judgment seat. So don't tell the devil how bad it is. Don't tell people what you're trying to do. Don't tell people how fast you're going to go under. Don't tell people anything. Just read the court decision on your behalf. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise God forever. Hallelujah. Let's go to Psalms 3320. Psalms 3320. Man, I'm telling you, there is so much. Hey, Eric, do I have any more promise books? How many? Good. Could I get one? I lost mine. Or my wife swiped it. So one or the other. But I will say this, that everybody that got one of those promises, promise books said is probably the best put-together promise book around. Everybody needs a promise book. Why? Because it's a decree of what God has decided before you were out from under the spirit of Satan. And it says, our soul waiteth on the Lord. He is our help, and he is our shield. Our help and our shield. One thing I have learned over the years is I never try to justify myself because those that don't know me wouldn't believe it anyway. And those that do know me don't need for me to justify myself. Amen? I mean, you, if you know me, you, you would say, oh, well, that's not him. He would never do that. But if you didn't know me, they say, oh, yeah, I'll bet he did that. I'll tell you right now. So then you make a lie. Then you spread a lie. Then you spread it among the brethren. And then you wonder why the faucet of blessing dries up. Because you're a liar. He that maketh a lie shall be damned. Maybe that's not in your Bible, but it is in the right Bible. And uh, so you want to make sure that you don't start things that you don't want to have to pay a price for. Now, people with marriage problems, people have all kinds of them. Now, let me tell you where they come from. I'm going to give you a whole list of where they come from. And the reason that you have marriage problems is because these things are in you, not in your spouse. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And be kind one to another. Whew. Tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even when they don't ask for it, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. Now, if you are having to struggle in your marriage, I'm just telling you that Ephesians tells you 
that these things are in you, and that's why you just can't get along with nobody. You can't be kind because you're filled with anger. Well, what are you mad about? I, I, I just don't know. I do. You're angry at yourself because you don't like yourself. You can't love anybody until you first love yourself. If you're angry with yourself, get rid of the things you don't like. The Bible says if your eye offends, you pluck it out. It's better to go to hell, go to heaven with one eyeball, than to go to hell with two good ones. Amen? How about, how about finances? You know, I have been young. Now, this is David, 1,300 years before Jesus comes. I have been young, and now I am old, and I have not seen the righteous forsaken, nor a seed begging for bread. You think God's going to change that decree that took place in the inner chambers because you're having a hard time? No, absolutely not. Praise God. The young lions do lack. They suffer hunger. But they that seek the Lord shall not want any good thing. Isn't that a great promise? Praise God. And again, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. I shall not want. I shall not want. There are so many things in the scriptures that we do not decree. Isaiah. What oh, we did Isaiah once. Psalms 55. Cast thy burden upon the Lord, and he shall sustain thee. He shall never suffer the righteous to be moved. Great peace have they which love thy decrees, and nothing shall offend them. Nothing shall offend them. Nothing shall offend them. Decrees. When you make a decree... In your area of sovereignty, nobody changes it. God will not alter it. If he said that, David, before the foundations of the earth, he weighed out every scenario that could go wrong, and he says, I'm your shepherd. You will not want. And it will come to pass. By his stripes you have been healed. I don't understand it. But God has made decrees over you. He has made by his sovereign power, looking at the end from the beginning, the beginning and the end, guess what? He declared a successful, victorious end. When he says that no weapon formed against you will prosper, that's just what he means. You don't have to do anything. Don't defend yourself. If you've got to defend yourself, God's not doing his part. Let God do his part. 
Let him do his part. Phyllis, cover your ears. Put, put your fingers right in your ear. And tell me honestly, you can't hear me. I can always hear you. <laughs> Good one. Do you know that they have money apps on phones where people can send you money? Now, if you run around with me, don't even tell me you got one because I ain't sending you no money. I got I to, you know, I'm getting all I need. But I got a, a text the other day and said, hey, what, what's your money app? I want to send you some money. I said, I don't have one. Oh, man. I said, wait, wait. I said, there's hope. I have an address. So he, said, so he said, I will send it to your house. And I'm, as soon as he did, I started interceding. God, let Phyllis not know when the mail comes. <laughs> Lord Jesus. Because this man said, I'm sending you money. He didn't say, I'm sending you and Phyllis money. He said, you. And I, I don't want to lie to the man. Would you? No. Okay, I wouldn't either. So he said, all right, I'll get up in the morning, take you to the post office, and send it straight out. I said, good deal, man. So I have money coming. Now, I hope he was a lottery winner of $15 million. But either way, God knows if you have a need. Amen? God knows when you have a need, not us have a need. We, you have a need. And so, let me tell you a little story real quick. There was a guy last year that uh, took care of my, I, ha I have a bass boat. And uh, it's nothing big. I'd like to have a 24-footer. This is an 18-footer. It's a weenie boat. And, uh, and uh, anyway, if you don't use them all the time, things go crazy. I took David fishing with me one time, and my boat had been setting. I turned on the a depth finder. Psh, it fried. I said, man, that's a bummer. Turned on my electric tolling motor. Psh, it fried. I turned and looked at David and said, enjoy this trip because it's the last time you're ever getting in this boat with me. Yeah, that's the last time he's ever been in one. I wouldn't put the man in the boat with me. And uh, anyway, this guy agreed. I told him, I said, I'll tell you what. Why don't you just take and fish with the boat? Keep it at your house. Take your kids out. Use it. And you keep it up to par. Go through the boat. Do, do whatever has to be done. And get it up to par. You take care of it. And uh, if I want to fish... I'll give you a call, and, and he said, okay, good deal. I said, but you have to give me all the fish that I want to eat. And he said, okay. So I have Phyllis said that she's going to buy me a car, so she wanted me to sell the boat, so I gave the boat to Phyllis. Took her about two days to call that guy and said, you know what? You better sell that boat. And anyway, so... He was telling people it was for sale. And somebody says to him, uh, are you going to buy it? And he said, well, it's not in my plans right now. 
the guy said, you know what? I'll pay half of it. I wish he just gave me that money. I could have kept the boat. But anyway, you know, God has a way of working things out. Everybody gets their piece of pie. And so they had enough money to pay the rest of the boat off. And then he says, now, I want you to know, Pastor, anytime you want to use that boat, you just come over and get that boat and go fishing. Little does he know I decided to fish every day next year. And uh, no. But do you see how God does things when you are actively seeking him? Actively seeking him. And so, I want to tell you something. The blessings of Abraham are yours if you'll make that decree. If you don't, they won't find you. They just won't find you. Right? So, make the decrees that God said in his chambers about you without any influence from the devil, your shortcomings, or anything else. Just say what God said about you. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. You know, my little brother had been a drug addict for over 45 years. He used to be such a good-looking kid. He was better looking than me. And Phyllis would always say that. Boy, they just got the looks, didn't they, honey? I used to think, they're about to get you. And, uh, anyway, if you saw my younger brother today, his nose is bent five or six times. He has been beaten so bad that when the doctors looked at him last time, they said, Son, somebody wasn't trying to give you a message. Somebody was trying to kill you. He said, your tongue is almost cut off. It's barely hanging on. His jaws were broken. He was wired up and all that kind of stuff. And uh, my brothers know what they're into, and they know what's going to happen. And uh, so the probation officer told my little brother, I'm going to give you one more chance. Next time I see you, if you are not still in this program, I'm sending you to prison because you know that you are never going to stay free. When I check you next time, if you have drugs in your system, I'm sending you away. Well, he got into Teen Challenge. I was so excited. I thought, praise God. He was there for 35 days. Then he called the same guy that beat him within an inch of his life. He called him to come and get him and put him back on drugs. Isn't that horrible? I don't know where he'll be in 30 days. And then I have another brother that's been on drugs 45, 50 years. I sent Rick Burke down to visit him to 
leading to the Lord. And Rick comes in in a black suit, and another guy comes in with him that's like three or four sizes bigger than Rick. So my brother opened his eyes and said, look, don't take a long time. Just get it done and go on with your day. Rick said, what are you talking about? He said, you here to kill me or what? Rick said, no, I come to lead you to Jesus. He said, oh, well, come on in. <laughs> That's how they live because they don't know anything about God. Amen. It's true. Now, Paul just did give his life to Jesus Christ, and we're believing God that's going to stick. Yes, hallelujah. And uh, so, but, you know, if they would have known the decrees of God, they could have been blessed men. I looked at Paul and I said, if you hadn't been on drugs, you'd have been a preacher. He said, I believe that. I said, but it's not too late. You can still be. We just prayed with him. His backbone was eaten up with some type of uh, virus, and uh, it was ready to break. The doctor came in and said, buddy, he said, when your spinal cord breaks, that fluid runs out, you're going to die on this bed before we can even get to you. He said, but I'll tell you what, I'm going to operate on you tomorrow, and I'm going to give you life. He said, after three months of rehabilitation, three times a day, he said, I'm hoping that you walk out of that old folks home. If he would have knew, known, that God had decreed over his life, no weapon formed against you will prosper. You call upon me in the time of trouble, I will answer you. Those are the decrees that God offers you today. Take what God said and put in your mouth. The enemy has been cast out, dismantled, dethroned, abolished. There's nothing left for you to do except say what the judge has said about you. Amen? Praise God. Stand to your feet. Father, in the name of Jesus, that matchless name that causes mountains to be removed. The matchless name, God, that causes every street in America to be saved, set free, redeemed, lifted up, God. God, in that matchless name, I pronounce blessing upon these people. God, the sheep of your pasture, 
that you lead beside still waters. You put them, God, into green pastures. You restore their soul. And in the midst of their enemies, God, you have prepared a table. God, you have ordained us to be your children without fear, without reservation, without question. We are the people of God. We are the people of covenant. We are the people, God, that flourish no matter where you put us. God, you cause our deserts to be oases. You cause, God, our dry places to become gardens. You cause, God, our roots to live off of the waters that you have provided. God, we trust and believe in you. If you're here today and you're not a Christian, God has already decreed what you have to do. It's so just, it seems so simple, but it transforms our lives from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. Everybody just pray this with me. Say, Heavenly Father, I believe that Jesus was your only begotten son. I believe that he shed his blood for me. And I believe, God, that when he was laid into that tomb, that God, three days later, you raised him from the dead. He is now alive. Jesus, come into my heart. I pronounce you as Lord of my life. God, I thank you that I am forgiven. I'm washed and I'm cleansed in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. If you prayed that prayer today, there are prayer teams up here. Please make your way. People that you come with or however, whoever, We'll wait for you. You come and you share that you gave your life to Jesus Christ. We have a book we want to help you get and get involved in. But I'm telling you, God has changed your life. Oh, sinner, God has redeemed you and called you forgiven called you my child look to him in everything and he will lead you and guide you for you belong to him in Jesus mighty name there is a several cysts being healed right now several cysts that are being healed right now uh, in Jesus' name, you, you can even feel for them now. You'll find that they're just diminishing. They're just going away. Now, Father, in the name of Jesus, I lose blessing. I lose blessing, God. God, the power 
of the sovereign decrees of our God. I decree, God, that you, by the Holy Ghost, will bring them to our remembrance. Let them declare them, God, that all powers that are will cease to resist and they shall come to pass in Jesus' mighty name. Amen and amen. God bless you. Wednesday night, praise God. Hmm.